wherever you are, it's midnight somewhere. You're listening to Pulp Fury Radio. I am your eternal hostess, the librarian, and I do hope I've caught you at a good time. Our story tonight is brought to you by that feeling at the back of your mind, the sense that you're not alone, that there's someone, something, just behind you, hiding in the blind spot over your shoulder, a feeling that just won't go away until you stop and look. I'm sure it's just your imagination. Now, get cosy, lock the doors and dim the lights, and remember to breathe as the walls close in around you, as Pulp Fury Radio presents tonight's tale, The Terror in the Walls. Evening. Father Johannes, isn't it? Hello, Doctor. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. You weren't waiting out here in the cold for me, were you? I was, actually. I felt it best. We've both been called to make an assessment, and if we both arrive at the same time, it'll save repetition. You could have waited inside. Young Miss Anders seemed rather at her wit's end. I didn't want to trouble her with looking after me as well. I'd say that's rather kind of you, but I suppose kindness is your vocation. As it is yours, in a certain manner. Father, thank you for coming. I know it's late. God doesn't sleep, Susan, and so the faithful are often tired. And it's Dr Phelps, right? You too. Thank you. Oh, think nothing of it, Miss Anders. Please, come inside. Would you like some tea? I can put the kettle on. I think we should get right down to it if it's all the same to you, Father. Yes, I think that would be best. Thank you for the offer. Of course. I just don't know how to feel about this. It's all so strange. I mean, it was strange before, and then when the police started asking questions for the statement, everything feels like it's upside down, you know? I I do. I've seen many patients who feel confused when something tragic happens. It's totally understandable. Maybe you have, but I've never... Excuse me. No, no, not at all. I think we should begin. Get to the bottom of things. Now, which room, dear? Nell's studio room, first on the left. You're expected, so just go right in. Thank you, Susan. Stay strong. The Lord may not see fit to fulfil every prayer, but I know he has boundless strength for those who need it. Thank you, Father. Please, both of you, please find out what happened to my brother. We'll do our very best, miss. Come in. Father Johannes, is it? Susan said you'd be coming. I know she appreciates you driving out here. I'm afraid I don't know your name, Mr... Dr. Mitchell Phelps. Nell Hargrove. Pleased to meet you. Come in, have a seat. It's not as warm as some of the rooms, even with the fire, but I guess I just feel safer in here. That's perfectly all right. We want you to feel as safe as possible. I suppose the police sent you, Doctor. I know how my statement sounds. I saw how they looked at me. They did call me, yes. Father Johannes is here at the request of your family. My family? Oh, you mean Susan. Sorry to say, Father, but Paul and I aren't married. 
Though I suppose Susan's been like a sister to me ever since the day we met. I wouldn't mind being counted amongst her family. Oh, I'm not here to judge you. I'm simply here as someone for you to talk to. I'll be taking some notes while we talk, if you don't mind. And I need you to understand this has nothing to do with judgment or even evidence. These are my notes for my eyes only. You have doctor-patient confidentiality while we're in this room. As such, I'll need you to sign this form to show that you allow Father Johannes to be here during our session. Um, sure. I suppose that's fine. But did you say evidence? Yes, you can imagine that with what happened here, the police would very much like to talk to Paul. Is that possible? If you're asking me if I know where he is, I already told the police. Paul, he just vanished two days ago. I have no idea where he is. And if I did, I'd be struggling to decide if I should kiss him or kick him in the balls. Sorry, Father. No, not at all. I think we should begin. Father, did you need a pen for your own notes? Oh, I've heard enough confessions to have a decent enough memory. I'll be fine, thank you. Sign here, right? And initial there. Thank you. There. Well, I'm not sure what I can tell you that I haven't already told the police. I don't know where Paul is or where he might go. As for Alex, I haven't seen him since yesterday. That's okay. I'm more interested in what went on in the days surrounding their disappearances and some of the things you said in your statement. That won't be too hard. Truth be told, I've been going over and over it in my own head, trying to make sense of it. I know how crazy it all sounds in a police report, but you have to understand. What went on in this house was real, no matter how it sounds. Take your time. Tell us everything you can remember. I know why they called you. I know what I said in the report. I, I suppose I should feel relieved that they don't think I'm lying. If they asked for a shrink, they just think I'm crazy. It's true, though. Paul was just here, in this very room. Then he was gone. Just gone. I don't really know what more I can tell you. Well, those are the facts as you've explained to the police. What I want to understand is what your lives in this house were like, how you feel about the people you've been living with, and what might have changed. What can you tell me about your first day here, in this house? The first day? That would have been about four months ago now. Moving's always so hectic, I'm not sure how much I really can remember. I remember the mood, though. I remember feeling so free. So excited. It was just a house then. Just somewhere to sleep and store our things. But that felt like everything. Okay, I know you said secluded, but we left the main road like ten minutes ago. This is going from quaintly secluded to creepily isolated. It's an old place, man, and seclusion is what we want, right? Yeah, secluded, not Georgia O'Keeffe levels of reclusion. Trust, Alex, trust. Wait. This isn't it, is it? Yep. No way. This place is huge. I know. Welcome home. Seriously? Don't think I'm not impressed, but what the hell, Paul? Uh, yeah. We can't possibly afford this. Ah, well, there's the beauty part. See, the ground here is too soft to build anything on, so no developer wants it. And the place is technically sinking, so we get to rent it at a crazy low price. That still takes three of us to cover. Sinking? Very, very slowly. 
If you wanted to live here permanently, you'd have major problems in a decade or so. But for one year alone, you'd never notice. It's beautiful. Yeah, apparently it was built by an architect as a summer home. But she didn't check the foundations properly, so now she's just getting what rent she can before it's declared unsafe. So we'll be living in a secluded, sinking death of an artist's dream. Didn't you say you wanted something bohemian? Sold. The driveway leads down to the courtyard and cellar. Lots of space for Alex's sculptures and supplies. Enough rooms for you and I to each have our own study now. No more sharing creative space or having your art supplies fill up the bedroom. Absolutely brilliant. It's the perfect fit for us. It really is perfect, Paul. Mm. <laughs> Jeez, you two. I'd say get a room, but you've got, like, a hundred now? <laughs> sure. Have you got the key? I want to get unpacked right away. You must be the only organised artist in the world. Of course. I'm one of a kind. That's why you love me. That must be it. Hey, Paul, can you give me a hand unloading this? Sure thing. That first day, it felt like being able to breathe. When fresh air hits your lungs for the first time after being sealed in a room. Then that night felt like a real new beginning. Seriously, if she didn't like you, all it took was a single sniff or a glance out the window and Mrs. Thompson would be all over you. Yeah, but Mr. Kelson was definitely worse. He was clearly checking the girls out in his class. Do you know how hard it is to focus on physics when you know the teacher might be creeping on you? Guys, we can get back to which Huntley High teacher was the worst in a sec. I just wanted to make a toast before we chow down. First off, I want to say that I'm really proud of us. I know we haven't done shit yet. But while everyone else is either charging blindly into university or wasting time on a gap year drinking their way through Europe, we've committed ourselves to using our time productively, dedicating a full year to our prospective arts before going back to study. I think that's both wise and brave, so that's worth a toast alone. Hear, hear. Secondly to friends. Let's face it, we're going to get on each other's nerves at some point, but I know we're close enough to be able to forgive and forget any petty arguments or little blowouts. I love you both. Yep, just remember now, I knew him first. <laughs> but I called dibs. <laughs> Come on, seriously, guys. If things ever get heated, let's remember ourselves and each other as we are now and may cooler heads prevail. And finally, let's hope this pizza is good because it's the only place in town and we all know none of us can cook. So without further ado, to us. To, to us. us. And to the year ahead. And to Paul for hunting this place down, when all Alex and I really contributed was super helpful criteria like, I don't know, someplace cool. Definitely. This place is perfect. Best of all, there's no neighbours to complain about the noise when I'm sculpting. Well, I mean, I, I don't want to hit you with rules in your own home, but if you could keep from sculpting too early or too late... The muse speaks when she does. I'm sure you understand that. Muse or not, if you start the angle grinder at four in the morning again, I'll wrap the cord around your neck. Speaking of, I've got to use the car tomorrow to check out what the local hardware store has. You want to come along now? Give the poet the morning to reflect while we hit the town? I saw an art supply store on the main drag. Yeah, sure, sounds good. It sounds lovely. The three of you all together sounds like a happy group. It was, at first. And that first night, I was really happy. I felt like life was starting again. I suppose things never got bad until they got really bad. How did you feel about them at the time, Paul and Alex? I... Then everything seemed... Everything felt possible then. I knew I loved two things. 
Paul and Art. Sometimes in that order, sometimes in reverse. Alex, he was a great friend. So talented, too. I told him once I envied his work, and I meant it. How he could think so expressively in three dimensions. How I felt is hard to explain. You don't really think about it, or at least I didn't. What happens when you told him that? How did he react? I don't know when it was. I guess I must have been out in the courtyard, watching him work. Something wrong? What? Oh, hey, no, I wasn't being too loud for you, was I? No, I just came to watch you work. So, is there something wrong with it? No, not wrong, just not going right. I I think it's shaping up nicely. You're too kind to always give me such undeserved praise. False praise is not a kindness, and I'd never do that to you. I'm serious, Alex. I really like it so far. I like what I feel from it, what you're trying to say. I'm not even sure what I'm saying. Well, I see this part at the bottom being sad and mournful. The way the lines and shapes keep reverting to aimless curved edges. Then this part, radiating lines, feeling free, and between them this heavy cubism part, weighing down on the lower part, but giving stable ground to the expressive above, like holding the chaos down to build something great on its back. I really like it. Wow. Thanks, Nell, that really helps. You always know what to say. How's your painting going? All I've been working on so far is my technique. When that great idea finally does hit, I want to have the chops to get it exactly right. That's a good plan. Hey, you ever think about collaborating? Like, I could sculpt something and then you could paint it? That would be so cool. God, why didn't I never think of that before? Well, it'd have to be the right thing, something we both agree that we feel the same about. Yeah, can't rush into something like that. Sometimes art is all about timing. Morning, you two. Hello, cutie. Hey. Looking good there, man. Good start. I'm going to take a break, go for a walk and come back to it. Anyone want to join me? No can do. I promised someone pancakes last night. We'll save you some though, yeah? Cool. Thanks. (laughs) Stop it. Not my fault. Your butt started it. Well, don't you start anything until after breakfast. And what happens after breakfast? Hmm, I think the line is, Joy whose hand is ever at his lips, bidding adieu, and aching pleasure nigh. Mm. You know Keats gets me in the mood every time. After breakfast. You're killing me. Fine. Do we even have the stuff to make pancakes? We do. I got it all during yesterday's shop. Yeah, speaking of, I heard a creepy rumour about this place. Oh yeah? What was it? Are we haunted? Because if so, we need any ghosts to start paying rent. No, well, not quite. So I'm in the supermarket and this old woman keeps looking at me strangely. I walk near her to get some apples and she legit makes the sign of the cross at me. What? Really? Why? I had no idea. But the woman at the checkout apologises for her when I go through. She tells me that the woman who built this place, that architect, she and her girlfriend used to live here and when they split... It got ugly and the girlfriend refused to leave. I mean, she barricaded the doors and boarded up the windows level of refused. Bloody hell. You thought I could be dramatic. So what, she makes a cross at you because we live in a house a lesbian built? That's just the start of it. So this woman, the lover, she won't leave at all. Even when the power and lights and the heat get shut off. Finally, the architect calls the police. They come 
breached the door. This woman still won't leave. They literally had to drag her out. She struggles as they begin to force her out, clinging to furniture and screaming the whole time. This whole fiasco has drawn a crowd, so there are people in town who say they heard what she was saying and say that what she actually was shouting was a curse, condemning the house to hell. A month or so later, the house gets assessed and they find out it's sinking. But some of the old church fogies think the house isn't sinking, that it's hell reaching up to claim it. That the ground is soft here so the devil can reach through. That is creepy. I know. That's why we should have sex now instead of after breakfast. <laughs> I swear, when you want something... Hell couldn't drag me away. <laughs> Sorry, came to get my headphones. Oh, of course, that's fine. We're, um, we're, we're just making breakfast. Yep, that's what we were doing. <laughs> I'm sorry. Talking about it now. Those good moments. It feels so far away. Did Alex often go for walks in the woods around the house? No. Well, not as often as Paul or I, but I suppose we went on lovers' walks. There was a thrill to being intimate outdoors. And as big as this house is, we felt bad that Alex would often walk in on us like that. Perfectly understandable. May I ask, I've noticed the mirror in here is covered. Why is that? Oh, it's a Protestant tradition, Doctor. Exactly. Paul's family are fairly religious. I did it when Susan said she was coming over. I suppose I've been avoiding the parts you really need to hear about. The things I've been telling everyone I've seen and heard in this house. The reason the police want you to check on me. Nothing really happened in this house. Nothing like that. Until the morning after Paul and I had a fight. A fight? What was it about? Like any good argument, it was about a lot of things. Looking back, there were signs it was coming. Maybe little things I did that steered us into the storm. But in hindsight, it's always 2020, right? The day started out well. A delivery arrived for Alex. I was joking around, but I think he took it seriously. That's good. Keep bringing it back. Okay, there. Perfect. So, what is all this stuff? A whole bunch of things. Most of it's from this warehouse fire, all certain smoke damaged bits of glass and metal. Huge stone slabs all going really cheap. Alright, that's all of it. If I could get you to sign here. Yeah, yeah, and you too. No worries. Can you give me a hand moving it into the cellar? Nah, not my problem. Come on, I paid for delivery. Yeah, it's delivered. This is bullshit. Hey, hey, don't walk away from me. You're on your own, mate. Really nice of you, dickhead. Hey, what's going on here? Nothing. The damn truck driver just dumped the crates here and then left. Did you sign for it already? Yeah. Ah, well, there you go. Once you've signed, I don't have to give a shit anymore. Rookie mistake. Now you know better. You could help instead of being critical, you know. It's fine. Come on, man. You'll never move these on your own. Grab that side and on three. One, two, three. All right, just against the wall there. Damn, what the hell's in this thing? That one's mostly brass fittings that all got melted together in the fire. Okay, this shouldn't be as hard. Ready? Yep. One, two, three. You should lift with your knees. You could help instead of being critical. I'm too busy enjoying the show. 
Arty men laboring. Excuse me while I blush. I'd bite my lip and swoon a little. That's all well and good for him, but how about helping me? <laughs> I meant both of you. Seriously, now? Yep. If you didn't have your shirt on, we could get a calendar shoot going. The men of modern art has a nice ring to it. <laughs> Honestly? What? Can't a girl indulge? You do whatever you like, as usual. Fine. If my ogling makes you uncomfortable, I'll just go paint. I do feel inspired to do some life drawing all of a sudden. Alright, got a grip on it. One, two, three. Come in. Hey. Hey. Did you get it all loaded into the cellar? Yeah, eventually. It's pretty full down there. And are you over your little twist of jealousy? I wasn't being jealous. I just don't like you talking about other guys like that. Paul, sweetie, that's exactly what jealousy is. He's my oldest friend too. It just bothers me, alright? And what really bothers me is that we've talked about this before. I'm just joking around. Alex knows that. If it bothers you that much and you really can't see that I'm just messing around, then fine, I'll stop. You're out of crates to unload anyway. No. <sighs> I'm kidding. Okay, okay. I'll stop. Fine. Hey, have you seen my book on Bob Kaufman? Ah, never mind. There it is. What? What's it doing in here? Um, okay. Well, I sometimes come in and look at your unfinished work. I know I'm not supposed to, I know that. But you did it anyway. Rude. Honestly. That's just rude. I know, I'm sorry. It just helps me when I'm stuck. But hey, I let you read my stuff while it's in progress, so we're even. No, that's your choice. Like, it's my choice to show you my work when I feel it's ready to be viewed. Forget it. Just please don't, okay? Won't happen again. Promise. Speaking of peer review, did you read through that new poem I gave you yesterday? I did. And? We can talk about it later. So you hated it? I didn't say... I'm painting right now, Paul. You can see that. It's okay if you hate it. You just need to tell me. I can take it. Oh, for fuck's sake. Fine. We'll talk now. I didn't hate it, but no, I didn't like it either. Alright. Oh, what? What what? You said alright, but in a defensive tone, like you're trying to step away from something. I don't know what you mean. I just said alright. So I'm hearing things? You hear what you hear, Nelly. It's just that I think your response might be a retaliation, that's all. Retaliation for what? And don't call me Nelly. I get it. I invaded your space. I'm sorry about that. That has nothing to do with it. I didn't like the poem because the imagery was crap. I know you can do better and I wouldn't be doing you any favours if I sugarcoated it and lied to you. So you do think it was crap? You know, you always seem to like whatever Alex is doing. I've never heard you criticise his work. Not once. I've never had anything to criticise. What, like he's flawless? No, he's just good at what he does. Or I don't know enough about sculpture to critique. Or maybe it's because we don't sneak in and look at his work when he's not ready. Aha! You are still angry about that. Yes, I am. I'm sorry, okay? It just really helps me sometimes see that other artists struggle too. Oh, what? So now I'm struggling? So maybe I should just pack up and leave. That is not what I meant and you know that. And don't hold that leaving bullshit over our heads like that. You always do that. Do what? What did you even come in here for? To fish for compliments to prove you're the better artist? Of course not. But it sounds like you think Alex is anyway. Of course I do. Well, there it is. Shit, Paul. I didn't... I mean, he's better than both of us. But definitely better than me. I didn't say... Fuck, where are you going? I'm going for a walk. 
Maybe when I calm down, I'll respect your blatant honesty, but right now all I wanted to hear was something good about my work from the woman I love. Paul, wait! It's fine, Nell, just stay in your studio. I won't come in again! Paul! Oh, fuck! Oh. Paul? You remember that argument very well. It must be significant. I've gone over it in my head so many times, I suppose I know it all. After that, everything changed. Paul and I started having problems and hardly talked to one another. And I started... That's when I started hearing things in the house. Do you remember the first thing that happened that you thought was... off? I do. Because it was the next morning. What happened? I woke up and... For a moment, I could have sworn the walls were closer than they were when I went to bed. I was alone, and the walls were bare boards, the drywall and wallpaper all gone. And then it felt like they were closing in on me, pushing against my chest until I felt the strain in my ribs and the pressure down against my lungs, pushing the air out of my throat. And then it was gone. I was lying in bed next to Paul. He must have come back late in the night, because I don't even remember how late I went to bed. He was curled up on his side, facing away. I wanted to wake him, to make everything better, but he looked so tired. I decided to let him sleep. I snuck out of our room and went to my studio to work, but I couldn't paint a thing. Paul and I didn't talk at all the next day. Any time I was in the same room as him, he wouldn't look at me, so I gave him distance. It wasn't until that night that we spoke to each other, when I first heard the sound coming from the cellar. Paul, can you hear that? Huh? Nell? The hell is that? I don't know. Alex, maybe? Ah, oh, fucking hell, I told him not so late. Hey, what's up? What is that? What? That banging sound. That sound from the cellar. I don't hear anything. Really? It's pretty loud. You didn't leave a drill or something on? No, man. Safety first, always. Well, that has to be something. I'm gonna take a look. There's nothing down there. How can you not hear that? Seriously, I don't know what you think you're hearing. I can't see a thing. Yeah, let that be light. Well, now it's stopped. Oh, you know what it probably is? I, I keep the window down here open to vent. The wind must have had it knocking the shutter against the frame. You've got some an amazing hearing to pick it up from your room. <laughs> Worst superpower ever. Yeah, I really thought it was someone knocking. Must be next to a load-bearing beam and carried the sound through the house. Must be. Improbable mystery solved. Right, well, good night. Yeah, good night. Hey, so long as we're up, can we talk? I know you're still mad, so I'll just talk. Look, with everything else we said this afternoon, I want you to know that I'm not leaving. Not ever. Even if, God forbid, we break up, I'm in this for the year, like we said. Having this house is more than just the three of us living together. It's our chance to really get into things we're passionate about. 
And I'm not going to bail and leave everyone in the lurch. And I won't do that to myself either. Everything else we can talk about later, but I just needed you to know that. So that's my piece. Thanks for listening. Night. When I woke the next morning, the walls again seemed to be closer than before. I tried to shrug it off as a trick of the early light. It was raining, so I told myself it was some illusion cast by the low sunlight and cold shadows from the overcast sky. But then I couldn't see any windows. I couldn't find the door. Every direction I looked, there was nothing but bare planks of wood, and each time I turned, the wall behind me seemed to get closer and closer. I shut my eyes and pushed down the screen coming from my stomach. I f felt like a stupid kid afraid of the dark, but I was so scared, I couldn't breathe. And that same banging noise was there, all around me, coming from the walls. Then I opened my eyes and everything was fine. The room was normal. Paul had already left. The car was gone, so I went to my studio, listened to the rain coming down. I wanted to paint, but I couldn't use a brush. I guess it just wasn't in my heart, so I used my fingers. I think that helped, or maybe I was angry at myself. Like if I was going to be scared like a child, I should paint like one. Paul? Is that you? Jesus, Paul! You're soaked! Where's the car? Alex? Alex? Where are you? He's down in the cellar. Paul, what, what the hell is going on? So they argued? Yes. Do you know what it was about? No, I couldn't hear them. Just that it was pretty heated, especially from Paul. How did that make you feel? I was angry. I wanted to storm down there and demand to know what was going on. They never argued. And for something to upset Paul so much that he would raise his voice like that, but not even tell me, made me feel like an outsider in my own home, to my own friends. But I didn't. I didn't know what the problem was, so I stayed out of it. Otherwise, I'd either be peacekeeper or collateral damage. And I didn't want to be either of those. So what happened next? Paul came up a few minutes later. I wasn't sure if it was the cold rainwater or the rage, but he was shaking. He didn't look angry, though. His eyes were worried, maybe even a little scared. He breezed past me and went to take a shower. After that, he went into our room with a bottle of whiskey and stayed there with the door closed. I didn't know what to do. I could hear him, and I think he was crying, but the door was locked. I wanted to make Alex tell me what was going on, but I didn't want to hear his side of the story before I knew Paul's. Alex may have been my friend, but I love Paul, and I wanted to show him I was on his side, especially after the argument. I could do nothing but let time pass, so that's what I did. That night, while Paul was drunk asleep, I heard it again. Paul, can you hear that? 
Alex? Is that you? Alex? What's wrong with you? Alex? Alex, where are you? Alex? Are you in the cellar? Alex? What the hell is going on? Just tell me why. Alex, where are you? The cellar smelled of mould and mud from the rain. There were crates and wrapping plastic strewn about the place alongside his usual tools and the strange shapes of his work in progress, but I couldn't find Alex. By one of the walls was a tall obelisk of tarnished and blackened brass, and I remembered hearing him say that some of the pieces he had delivered there had been salvaged from a fire. Something about the structure chilled me, made me stop frozen to the floor where I was. Like there was some terrible aspect to it that I couldn't pin down, but I knew. I felt like it was mocking me, taunting in the way it stood towering over me in the dark, almost to the ceiling. It felt like if you could turn a scream into an object, this would be it. Just tell me why! Suddenly, Alex was there. The light went out and the door slammed shut. I ran up the stairs and began pounding on the door. Alex, let me out! I stepped back, but couldn't. My back hit the wall behind me, and I wasn't in the cellar anymore. I was in my room, with the walls closer than ever now, pressed up against me on all sides so I could hardly move. The boards were damp and mud oozed through the seams while my feet were submerged in freezing muddy water. I tried to scream, but I couldn't breathe. The walls were so close, I I couldn't knock or move. To stand there and feel the mud spill over my skin, my nails scrape and split against the soaked wood as I tried to break free. Then, it was morning. I was in bed, shivering cold, although the day was sunny. I wasn't dreaming, if that's what you're thinking, Doctor. I wasn't going to say that. I know what dreaming is. This was real. In the morning, I could remember the panic, the pain in my knees pressed against the boards, in my fingers where my nails tore loose. I felt like I was losing my mind. Isn't that a good sign, Doctor? Don't they say crazy people don't know they're crazy because they think they're getting smarter? Sometimes that's true, yes. So, according to your statement, we're coming up to the day you say Paul disappeared. Yes, that was the day. The next parts, I can't explain. I mean, I can't explain a lot of what's been happening in this house lately, but I will tell you exactly what happened, even if I can't explain it. That's all we want, dear. Please, go on. Like I said, when I woke up, Paul was already gone. But as I got out of bed, I could hear someone in the room beside ours, in my studio. Paul? Baby, what is it? What happened between you and Alex last night? Please, tell me. Please, please just tell me what's wrong. (laughs) He didn't say anything. He just sat there at my easel, staring at the canvas, tears running down his cheeks. I'd never seen him cry. Not like this. I didn't know what to do. What was wrong? All I wanted to do was help him, fight whatever was hurting him so he didn't have to, but I couldn't, and it broke my heart. I wanted to cry with him, to be with him in whatever was wrong. He stood back from the easel, and I went over to him, 
wrapped my arms around him and told him that no matter what it was, everything was going to be all right. And then he was gone. I opened my eyes and my arms were empty. He just wasn't there anymore. Paul? Paul, where are you? Where did you go? Paul? Where are you? Hey. Hey, Alex. Have you seen Paul? He was right here. Dude, that's not cool. What? Seriously, he, he was just here. I know it's been tough, but that's really creepy. Knock it off. Knock what off? Jesus, what the hell are you talking about? I'm going back to work. I'm here for you, but I'm not dealing with whatever weird coping thing this is. What? Alex, what the hell are you... What the fuck? Fine, I'll go look for him myself. Paul? Paul? I went outside to check the hiking trail behind the house I knew he liked to take some time to clear his head. I noticed the car was gone, so I began to wander along the road. I wandered for hours. Sure I would find him around the next bend, but I never did. It started to get late. Rain clouds were starting to form, and I knew I'd have to head back soon. I felt kind of dumb, that it was likely Paul had never even left the house. I was about to turn back when I saw tire treads in the mud, leading down the side of the road. That path led nowhere, a dead end to an overgrown lot. I followed the path down around the bend. That's where I found the car, covered in leaves like it had been there for days. A little spider web had even formed between the window and the side mirror. I turned back and made it home just as the light rain began to fall. I couldn't figure it out. Where had he gone if he didn't take the car? Why was he still out now that it was getting dark? Was he trying to scare me? Because it was working. I came home, crawled into bed and went to sleep, confused and burned out. Then it happened again. I woke up and the walls were closer. I knew it. I tried to watch to see if they moved. Mud and rainwater spilled into the boards. I'd blink and they'd be closer. I'd look down at the touch of the cold mud seeping over my feet. And when I looked up again, they were so close I couldn't move. My arms were pinned to my sides. I couldn't speak. All I could do was beat my head against the wood, hoping it would go away. And then it did. Then I was awake in my room, alone. Paul was still missing, so I called his sister Susan, who came over and she decided to call the police. That catches you up on everything. Everything I know. Uh, did it happen again? Did what happen? The sounds in the night. Did you hear them again? I... I did. What happened when you heard those noises that night? I'm not sure. Nothing I remember. Could you try and remember for us? Any little detail might help us figure out what happened. Okay, I can try that. Well, I guess it started out with those five knocks again. <gasps> Paul? Is that you? Paul? Alex? Is someone down there? Hello? You went down into the cellar? Yes. What happened then? The cellar was the same as ever. 
Alex's tools and supplies and crates all around. What about that brass piece you mentioned last time? It was there, looming over me. I don't like it. Can you tell me why? I'm not sure. It, it felt wrong to me. Ugly. And like it knew something. I felt like it was looking back at me. No, no, not that. Something behind it. Behind it? Yes, something standing behind it. The walls in the cellar were stone and old brick, but there was one spot that wasn't like the rest. The bricks there were old and tightly packed, but not held together with mortar. Then I heard it again. Oh God, there was something in the wall. I knew it then, I was certain. I grabbed a pickaxe Alex had for sculpting and began to swing at the wall, chipping away at the stone and bricks. The wall began to come apart, bit by bit, until I could see behind it, into the wall. What was there? A crate. One of the ones Alex had delivered to the house. I began to pull the bricks away even faster. I could hear the knocking again. It was so loud now, almost harrowing inside my head, pushing me. Once I could reach, I put the pickaxe against the seam and began to pry the edge off. The wood buckled and came off. Then what happened? I pulled the crate open and... And I... No. No. What is it? No, that... That can't be. You're almost there. Tell us what you saw. I saw... I saw... Say it. I saw me. It was me. Even through the plastic, I could see my face and my body in that crate inside the wall. But that makes no sense. How am I in there? Why do I look so... so... Dead. No. No. I'm here. I'm here with you. I'm not in that wall. You got there yourself. You know it all makes sense if you just wake up to yourself, Paul. What? Why would you say that? Why would you say that to me? Paul is missing. No. No, he isn't. Paul is sitting in this room with us. And Nell. Nell is dead. No. That isn't true. I'm right here. What's wrong with you? It's true, Paul. Stop calling me that. Stay calm. Think back to the last time Paul spoke to you. The argument? Yes. What else happened that night? What did you even come in here for? To fish for compliments to prove you're the better artist? Of course not. But it sounds like you think Alex is anyway. Of course I do. Well, there it is. Shit, Paul. I didn't... I mean, he's better than both of us. But definitely better than me. I didn't say... Fuck, where are you going? I'm going for a walk. Maybe when I calm down, I'll respect your blatant honesty, but right now all I wanted to hear was something good about my work from the woman I love. Paul, wait! It's fine, Nell. Just stay in your studio. I won't come in again. Paul! Oh, fuck! Paul? 
No, sorry, just me. Oh, I guess you must have heard all that. Yeah, it's a big house, but not that big. Are you okay? I will be, once I stop shaking. Other people are the worst, don't you think? Sometimes. Sometimes they're the best. Did... Did you mean what you said about me being talented? Uh, of course. We all know you are. You have an amazing way with objects and making them beautiful. Thank you. I just wish I had the same skill with people. <laughs> You're not so bad. You're already making me feel better. I hope so. I really don't get you guys sometimes. <sighs> Tell me about it. I'm sure you've noticed he gets way more macho whenever it's the three of us. When it's just me and him, it's flowers and poetry and flirting. And I'm sure he's different with you when I'm not there. But when it's the three of us, it's like he has to be a pack leader or something. Yeah. At least you're consistent. He makes me crazy sometimes. And I think you make me feel a little sane. Sorry, I don't want to dump my emotional baggage out on you. No, it's fine. I mean, he's my best friend and all that, but sometimes he can be a total douchebag. <laughs> yeah. Especially to you. Ah, it's fine. I don't think it's possible to love someone without wanting to uppercut them sometimes. I do. I think it's completely possible, because I feel that way about you. Oh, Alex. I... I mean, I love you, but not in that way. What way? There is only one way, but I'd never yell at you like that or take you for granted like he does. That's really sweet, Alex. I think you're just confused. No, you're confused. You can see what's right in front of you, what's always been there. We'd be so good together. We'd be one of those couples that makes everyone else jealous. Believe me, no one is perfect. If they look it, they're hiding it. It's not reality. That's just how we'd be in your head. It's not in my head. You just have to believe in us. Alex, that's just not real. We're good friends, How but... can you say that? How can you not even consider it? You'd, you'd rather be with him? Why? He doesn't respect you the way I do. Alex, let go of me. Let go. Just tell me why. Why not me? Just tell me why. Back off. J just let go of my arm, you arsehole. What's wrong with you? I just want to know why and you don't even have the respect to tell me that much. Stop. Just tell me why. Just tell me why. Why? Why is it never me? I'm the arsehole. You love that hack. You fuck him when he's so insignificant. And I'm the asshole. I just want mine. Why is that never me? Why? When do I get a chance with someone? Everything I do and nothing. Why? Why? Oh. Oh my god. Oh god. What did I do? Why did you make me do that? Mel, wake up. Oh shit, shit, wake up. We were just talking shit. Now get up. Why didn't you stop me? What am I gonna do now? Oh, he's coming back soon, shit. Okay. Okay, come on, come on. Okay. Okay, I'll hide her. Bury her later. I need a box. There. That's big enough. I'll get this out. And use the same plastic it came in. It'll be okay. It'll be fine. She hooked the car and left. I don't know where. Maybe she went home. I'm sure she just needed to let off some steam. She'll, she'll be back, dude. You'll see. It'll be okay. He'll be upset, but he'll get over her. I'll carry the heartbreak by myself. Okay. 
Here we go. Now into the crawl space. Cover it over. Wait till later when no one will know. I made a mistake. Just a mistake. But no more. No one will know. It'll be okay. But no one could hear me. If I'd knocked louder. God damn it. What's going on? Why do I remember that? I'm not dead in the wall. I'm, I'm right here. You're not in the wall anymore, Nell. The police have removed your body. You're lying in the town morgue. I believe that when you touched Paul, you took control of him. Then... You were lured down to the cellar where you learned the truth. No, you're wrong. You're lying. Could you tell us what happened then? What happened after you came up from the cellar? Then I... There was a storm. What did you do? Huh? Oh. oh, you scared the shit out of me. What did you do, Alex? About what? Why are you talking like that? It, it's creeping the hell out of me. What did you do? Jesus, man, why do you have my pickaxe? What did you do to me, Alex? I didn't do anything to you. Stop talking like that. I've seen what you hid in the cellar. What, what did, did you, you do? do? I Listen, it wasn't my fault. It was an accident, I swear. She came on to me. I, I pushed away and she... She tripped and broke her neck and I... I you liar! Dude, you're not thinking straight. Your voice... Just put that thing down. Calm down. Let's talk about this. You, you told, told me she, she was, was fine. fine. You, you told, told me she had left. Let me explain. Please. You murdered me. No, it wasn't like that. Please. Please stop. <laughs> 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 Susan arrived the next day after you called and told her Paul was missing. She found her brother covered in blood and talking in Nell's voice. She contacted the police who found the bodies. When they couldn't get you to make sense, they called me. I suggested sending you home where you would have to face what happened here. But I'm afraid it's had the opposite effect. It's not true. I didn't kill anyone. Paul is missing and I don't know where Alex is. You've covered every mirror in this house. It's tradition. Yes, a tradition when someone has died. You didn't want to admit that Alex is dead, that Nell is dead. You didn't want to see your own face and face the guilt within it. You wanted to believe that Nell was still alive. She's not dead. I'm not dead. I'm not. You've had a psychotic break, Paul. You faced something horrible, and in rejecting that terrible reality, you forced a new one onto yourself. One way you believe you are Nell. And Paul Anders is simply missing because it gives you a greater comfort. A mysterious disappearance instead of all this death. No. It's, it's not, not true. true. Nell didn't die. I'm right here. Right where you can see me. I promised I wouldn't leave. 
I know, I know it's hard, son, but you've got to accept her loss and let her go. I've had enough of this. I want you both to leave. Now. Leave me alone. If that's what you want, we'll go. This is a lot to have to process. There's nothing to process. You're lying. And you're wrong. Now get out. We'll go, if that's what you truly want. The Lord once said, The truth will set you free. May the blessings of God be upon you, child. Get out. Leave me alone. What happened? How did it go? It's difficult to say. Your brother has had a total mental breakdown, triggered by discovering the body of his girlfriend, most likely killed by his friend Alex Tillman. He has, however, confessed to Alex's murder, the recording of which I'll be handing over to the police. God, he really killed him? From what we talked about, it seems that much is true. I can't believe this. And, and a breakdown, what does that mean for him? It means I'll have to have more sessions with him to truly determine the extent and authenticity of his break from reality. Assuming that is what has occurred here. With all due respect, Father, the age of viewing a mental illness as a spiritual corruption is well and truly over. I don't disagree with that. But is it so hard to accept, in all your studies of the mind, that there is no part of a person that will forever be an unknown? A part that may be connected to something above the physical? You mean a ghost? I mean a soul. Something greater than the sum of our parts. Do you think it could really be her? No. But his voice, he sounds exactly like her. I once knew a woman who miscarried. According to her religious beliefs, she believed that a baby's soul would be sent to purgatory, a fate she refused to accept so strongly that her womb swelled and her body continued to change in preparation to give birth to a baby that was already gone. The body can do amazing things when the mind commands it to. And yet he knows what she said when he wasn't present. Things that no one living can attest to. You'd be amazed at the cohesive stories paranoid delusions can create. He claimed to have been living as her before he found her body and then knew exactly where her body was hidden and how she died. When he first claimed that Paul had disappeared, it was in the room where Miss Hargrove died. He most likely found signs of a struggle or personal item of Nell's, which was enough to prove that Alex had lied to him. After that, he found the abandoned car, which prompted him to search the cellar, where his friend often worked. It doesn't take a detective to figure out the true timeline of events here, but more to the point, if her spirit remained after her death, then why hasn't the ghost of Alex Tillman been seen wailing and rattling chains through the halls? Because hell claims their own as soon as the devil knows you're dead. The wicked do not wait for you to walk into the light or guide you by trumpet to what lies beyond this life. I don't claim to know exactly what has happened here, but there has been a string of truly tragic events, and tragedy leaves a mark on both the mind and on the soul. Well, if nothing else, we can agree that he killed Alex. This is all too much. I need to sit down. Oh, of course, please. Uh, whatever you need. I have to call the police. Uh, this tape will be evidence. I'll need you to sign some things as well, Father. Uh, of course. Susan, you know that you can call on myself, and I assume the good doctor as well, at any time 
you or any of your family, this is truly a sad and painful event. It's not true. Everything they said, it's not true. I'm alive. I'm right here. And I'm sorry I left. I'm sorry we fought. I'm sorry that... I'm sorry that I left you alone. You're sweet to say that. But I'm still so sorry. Can you ever forgive me? It's good to hear you say that. I love you too. I'm so tired. Do you mind if I rest here and watch you paint until I fall asleep? Thanks. <laughs> You're the best. I know you don't like to be watched, but I don't want to be alone again. I don't know what, what I'd do without you now. I don't, I don't think I, I could. Shh, baby, rest. It's been tough, I know. But we're going to make it. You and me will be okay. I love you. I'll never leave you again. I promise. Thank you for listening to Pulp Fury Radio. Please stick around for the credits and a sneak preview of our next episode. The Terror in the Walls, written by B.T. Calloway. Directed, edited and produced by B.T. Calloway and Elliot J. O'Neill. Starring Kelly McBride as Nell Hargrove. Tom Burt as Alex Tillman. Steve Maresca as Paul Landers. Ben Hamilton as Dr. Phelps. Craig Walker as Father Johannes. Sheridan Morley as Susan Anders. And April Pressler as The Librarian. Recorded at the Brain Recording Studios and engineered by Clayton Segalov. Copyright 2020, SideQuest Studios, all rights reserved. For more information and additional content, please visit our website at www.pulpfuryradio.com and you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Pulp Fury Radio. All right, PT, take it away. Next time on Pulp Fury Radio, we join the beatnik private detective Felix Phoenix on his latest case. A story of danger, mystery, music, and revenge. Fearless Felix Phoenix is the name. So, what can I do for you, detective? You're wrong, Felix. Don't you feel it? Sorry, kitten. Feelings don't matter when there's no proof. Ready? Let's jam. That's next time on Pulp Fury Radio, when we bring you our final episode for this season, a hard case detective story called Jazz Noir, The Music of Murder.